0: Welcome to Vix Picks. This is your host, Victoria. We'll be spilling the tea of the history of dance. So the section that I had was Rite of Spring. And Rite of Spring is um, based off of Russian prehistory. And this was um, choreographed by Iwer Stravinsky. And he used inspiration from the pagan rite. And in The Pagan Rite, it's um, about a girl who dips herself to death while the elders are watching and sacrificing her for the God of Spring. The Rite of Spring's music and movement choices were very inspired by the organic and early movements, forms that displayed efforts of dismissing notions of pre-modern societies and lack of structure. And he was also inspired by ancient artifacts and wanting to show how ancestors were connected to nature and earth. And the themes of um, young and old, day and night, individual mass, and female are present in the rite of spring. And the music and the movement choices were very dynamic at this time. They were so powerful that the audience was like fighting so that's interesting and the music very much shocked and overwhelmed them and this was because of the unusual sound harmonies, polyrhythms and repetitions and the score was sectioned into specific like titled sections like you would use in like a ballet and the movement also reflected this with um sharp and jolting movements and The movement was like not very gender specific specific at the time and male and female dancers would perform the same movements um that represented the narrative um and but also there was like a relationship that males were very masculine and um females were not by the males being shown as strong and females being dainty and lifts and steps and also the females were being sacrificed by the males which still is a concept that a male hierarchy for the second reading that we have it mostly focuses on sergey dyaglov and for um this reading and him specifically, it mostly focuses on how he was the director of ballet ruse um, spanning from the time frame of 1909 to 1929. And he um, focused more on like classical ballet and modern art. And in his company, he used many musicians and choreographers, which we'll dive into. And he, he added, like, visual art and combining other art forms, and this was, like, he used this as inspiration more because he never really, like, actually danced. But he do, did have, like, training, and that training was, like, roots in classical ballet. Um, His main role in his company was um, getting patrons to come and getting people funding, and this is because he was amazing with um and social socially amazing with people, and he could talk to them and get them to come. And that really helped the company. And he actually didn't really live a lavish lifestyle, but he loved chocolate and champagne, which is ironic because he's diabetic. <laughs> but the problem with him being the main reason that patrons and funding was happening, um, caused his company to die when he died with him. Um, some fact to know is that he was a fattest, and he was also superstitious, which is ironic because he once saw a psychic who predicted that he would die in the water, and then he later died in water. And um, so we're going to talk about the choreographers that he worked with. And the first one we're gonna dive into is Folking. And um, he choreographed Firebird, um, which is what one of the readings that we did. And um, this added a blend of political conservation, con- conversation, combatism, sorry, my bad. Um, um, something that we need to learn about is that he contrasted Pettipa's idea of the five acts theory which we talked about in our last episode and he made his ballets more compact into one act Um, and he um, liked the use of doing that to make it more connected as he didn't see Pettipa's as being um, unified with just like some random sections and he saw it as plotless and abstract without specific narrative and he's rarely known for um, taking um, a romantic, like taking romanticism and transfer the um, original to make it clear and concise. The second choreographer is um, gonna be Nijinsky. Now, a thing to know about Nijinsky is he was actually Diaglava's, um lover. So that's interesting. He was put for um, first before um, Folkine would be. And what Nijinsky is known for is his ability to transcend um, and he was seen as he defied the laws of equilibrium. And his choreography was um, very striking to a whole. Um, and his piece called Vaughn the dancers were seen masturbating and at one point humping a scarf which was very radical at the time because even now if you saw that that would be jaw-dropping because that's just weird um but he became mentally ill at one point and he in 1917 stopped working for Diaglova so next we're going to talk about Leonide Messing just very quickly. Um, he was known as a fun character dancer, and he was very inventive when he was choreographing with like very witty and sophisticated with um, quirky gestures. And then going back to Nizinski, um his sister actually choreographed, and um, she did um, the piece Les Noches, which is one of the other readings that we had. Um, And this is about a female being married and having to fit um, a specific gender role and lifestyle, which was groundbreaking to see. And then, She also just challenged female gender roles as a whole. And then the last choreographer we're gonna talk about is Anna Pavlova. And she was actually very much compared to other dancers, and she was not seen as a great dancer. Um, she didn't have good turnout, it's just she didn't have those abilities, but she used her own skills and made it work for her, which is very inspiring to hear that she could do that. Um, she was very known for like taking her skills and connecting them to characters. and she could bring out um, different characters and different personalities for each one. and she was just very good at that. And she glorified individual art as a whole. And one of my inquiry questions for this chapter was when they talked about um, Diaglov and how he could take, um, he took one of his dancers' um, abilities and like he really much like, he had like good arches, I think they said, and they really much, he could bring that out in his choreography. And the question that rose in me was, why do we take these ballets that were choreographed for these specific dancers and their abilities or their emphasis on these abilities? And why do we take these pieces and try to put them and force them on ourselves and try to make them as close as we can to them and try to fit into them? Like, I get it, they're classics and we want to see those classics again, but What about like changing them for your dancers like I know some places like they change the choreography but in most aspects like what like you want to see the original thing but you can make it better for your dancers instead of forcing them to have to be something that they're not and they can't possibly do so I thought that was an interesting question, inquiry question that I, that arose into me. Tune in weekly to spill the tea.